God bless you. We're so glad you're here. If y'all were here Wednesday night, I could hardly talk. By Thursday, I couldn't talk at all. And Thank the Lord. He's a healer. My voice has slowly come back. Thank the Lord for a worship team. I showed up and just told them they had to do it. And what a team we've got. We've got such a great, great praise and worship team that is so faithful and works so hard. Amen. You have no idea. You have no idea the commitment that goes into that and the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it. Thank you, Larry and Donna. That was beautiful. We're thankful for the light of Jesus. You know, that center, that centerpiece is coming. That center light of Jesus is coming. That's what we're anticipating. We're not anticipating the Santa Claus or the or the presence. We're anticipating the return of Jesus. Amen. But when Jesus was born, they brought gifts. So we look forward to the gifts. You know, it's a time of giving. It's a time of Thanksgiving. It's a time of provision. And I want to encourage you, turn your focus to Jesus. Now, I'm going to go kind of quick this morning. We've been talking about life detours, life detours. And I had to take the signs down for Christmas decorations. Hallelujah. Thank you to Elizabeth and my mother and uh, Austin and Melanie Gambrell came in and helped. And uh, hallelujah. This doesn't tell you anything. It tells you Jesus is coming. Amen. Life detours, the things that get us off track. It's so easy to get off track. You know, even me losing my voice caused me to get off track. I didn't know that was, that was God. I don't want to say that my sickness was God, but God's in control. God's not off track. If we can realize when we step into kingdom principles and kingdom desires and the will of God, God does not get off track. Even many times when we think we get off track, we are not off track. Are y'all here this morning? Come on now. We've been talking about having realizing our dreams and why we don't realize our dreams. The last few weeks, we've looked at the reasons why we don't realize our dreams. Whether it's because of high expectations or, or you, you know, it just, just things that aren't possible or we just kind of get off track. But last week, we started looking at inner intruders that keep us from our dreams. And I wound up putting this one together with one of the one of the main points that I've been talking about of of getting your relationships right. You know, if your relationships aren't right, you are not going to succeed in your dreams. You're not going to succeed in the will of God. Why? Because Jesus said the most important commandment is to love your brother, love your neighbor, love each other. He said, before you come in and offer me anything, get right with your brother, with your sister, with your relationships, get them right. Amen. This is the time we've just had a time at Thanksgiving that we've probably just blown it. Hallelujah. One month later, we get another chance. <laughs> God gives us another chance. And I hope that many of you have gotten have made some real progress since last week, because we talked about this first one. The intruders that keep us from our dreams. Procrastination. Waiting until tomorrow. The hoping you'll do it tomorrow, hoping you'll do it next week. Do it now, especially with forgiving your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your children or whatever relationship that you are being hindered by. Don't procrastinate. Give it to the Lord. And so many of you did last week. But the next one after procrastination, let me just say real quick that it's one of the seven deadly sins, sloth. 
God hates it. Procrastination, God hates it. Number two, discouragement. Discouragement causes us to not achieve our dreams. How many can say amen to that? Jerry Faldwell, the late Jerry Faldwell once said that the mark of a person's greatness is how much it takes to discourage him. So many we become so many times we become discouraged and lay our dream aside just because maybe it's going to take a lot of time or there's a lot of pressure. There was a man by the name of George Mueller who was responsible for feeding hundreds of orphans. And he had times where he felt like his load was just so heavy he couldn't go forward. But because he was a man of faith and he lived day by day feeding those hundreds of children in his orphanages, he said, if I'm not careful, I'll have a tendency to become discouraged. So my first item of business every morning is to get alone with God in prayer and in hymn singing and in Bible reading. That was his first step. First step. I can tell you just being in ministry, you had better have your heart turned toward God. In your walk with the Lord, in your job, in your job that you go to every day, you'd better be one with God. If not, you're going to get beat up. And you're going to get down. He was asked, so how long do you spend in time in singing and in worshiping and Bible reading? He said, as much time as it takes to get my soul happy. And when my soul gets happy, I go to work. Now, I don't know how that works doctrine wise. But can you imagine going into your job prepared, mentally prepared, spiritually prepared? Facing the struggles that you have in your household, whether it's with your wife or your husband or with your children or with your bills. Can you imagine taking enough time to get your focus off of that and on to God? Can you see how his day started? It was turning himself to the Lord. Just as Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. You know, I, I think that she's arguing with her flesh, but her spirit is winning. When David said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, he is arguing with his flesh, but his spirit is winning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What is that? That's a command that we give to our flesh. You are going to bless the Lord. Today, my spirit is going to win. I am going to turn myself to the Lord, and I am going to see victory in what I face today. And you know what? The first time you pray in the first moment that you take in prayer, you may not get that feeling. It may take a while. But what he's saying is he doesn't stop until he gets there. How many knows that if you will stick with the Lord, you'll get release? Are y'all with me this morning? Is this too much? It is. It's early. You're trying to get your caffeine. And now I'm trying to get you to have a thought. And your flesh and the caffeine is fighting. Can I process? It's got to process. This is better than caffeine. <laughs> I'm surprised you'd say it, Brian, the coffee drinker that you are. I'm not surprised you would say it. My health nut up here that likes to bring deep fried Oreos. <laughs> Her husband brought it and she straightened me out real quickly. I did not bring those. My husband brought those. 
Starting your day with the Lord is key. Not just as your pastor. Not just as someone in ministry. Everyone's walk. Start it with the Lord. You know, there's old junk, junky cars. If you go to the junkyard and you go and look around, there all these smashed up cars. Cars that have just given out. You know, it's the grind that gets them. The grind that gets you in your home, in your marriage, in your job. You get worn out and you get tired. It's the same old thing. I mean, you go to bed, you get the same old X amount of hours of sleep. We get up and eat the same breakfast. We get in the same old car, go down the same old road to the same old job, sit in the same old chair, do the same old things all day long. And then we go back to the same parking lot, to the same car, to the same road. How many of you drive the same way home every day? That's not bad. That's okay. To the same old spouse, same old kids. Same old routine. Same old, same old. Discouragement gets our dreams. We end up saying, you know what? I need a change of scenery. No, you don't. You go and you change the scenery, the same scene will show up. You'll just have a lot more baggage and a lot of pain to go through. You don't need a new scenery. You don't need new scenery. You need a new attitude. You need a new way to look at what you're facing. You need a new way to look at what you have ahead of you. We need a change of mind and keep our soul happy. Because when uh, discouragement begins to attack, that way if our soul is happy and discouragement starts to attack, we'll look at it from a different perspective. So what's another intruder that comes at us? Doubt. Many people don't reach their dreams because of doubt. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I want to turn this even, I want to set set this another step forward. Without faith, you will not succeed in your dreams. You won't reach your dreams. dreams. When you begin to doubt, you become like the old pessimist who, whose tombstone read, I knew this was going to happen. Doubt. Faith battles doubt. How do we get faith? By the word. You want encouragement? Spend time with the Lord and read his word. Your whole mindset will change. I promise. I promise. Next. The enemy without. What do you mean? Not only do we have enemies within, but we have an enemy without. And that enemy's name is Satan. And I can find scriptures that will show you how Satan wants to give you a detour, wants to give you detours to your dreams. Look right here in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion looking to seek whom he may devour. Resist him and be steadfast in faith. He is looking to get you. You ever think Satan's after you? He is. It's scriptural. But resist him and be steadfast in faith. What does that mean? Be in the word and resist him. If you will submit yourself to God. Being in the word, spending time with him, trying to walk according to his word. 
I believe, is submitting to God. Giving up the direction you want to go in for the direction that he wants. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee. These demonic, these demonic struggles that you're having in your life. Submit to God. Resist the devil. It's not enough just to submit. You have to resist. God calls us to submit and resist. And he will go. It's a promise. These things that God says in his word that are statements as straightforward as this is, is a promise of God. He says, if you will submit to me and resist the devil, these things that are coming at you will go. They're going to go. It's good. Now, where did Peter get the advice that we're to be sober and vigilant? And that because the devil was like a roaring lion going to distract us and get us off path. You know where he got it? He got it from Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, it says, Peter, Satan has asked for you. Can you just let that thought run past your little, I'm sorry, not little, run past your, your theology. Peter, there's been a discussion in heaven about you and Satan wants you. He's asked for you. That he might sift you as wheat. That means he does not have the best interest in mind for you. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. What does that tell you? That tells me that someone is praying for me. Have you ever received prayer cards on Wednesday, from Wednesday night prayer? What, what encouragement it is to receive one of those and realize someone's praying for you. But this is, this is on, a, on an infinite level. Jesus says, someone's after you, but I'm praying for you that your faith will stay strong. The Lord is our intercessor. The Lord is our greatest prayer. He is the one praying for you. What you're battling, the Lord's praying for you. I believe the Lord is saying today, if you will grab hold of my word and submit to me, you're going to get the breakthrough that you're needing with this demonic activity. So where did Peter get it from? It Peter, Jesus is basically saying, Satan's after you. He wants you to be, not become the preacher at Pentecost that, he, that, you so, that I so need you to be. What a great man of God that I've planned and designed for you. Be careful. And watch for him. Peter got it from Jesus. Jesus said that Satan will try to sidetrack us. To keep us from being all that we can for the glory of God. And let me tell you, we underestimate Satan's power. When we're a little disobedient with our walk with the Lord, it gives Satan just this little opening. I think you had mentioned a crack, just a crack in the door. How many knows that if you leave a crack, the door cracked open, what is in that room can come out. I hate to give this description, but take your bathroom. No, bathroom. Or if you leave the door cracked open, we'll do that. That's better. With it being 20 degrees outside. How it'll infect the whole house. It'll make the whole house cold. 
the air conditioner, the heater can't keep up because it's too much. You know what? That's a that's a great description. No man made thing can keep out that air. We could probably put 10,000 heaters in there, but eventually the outside's more powerful than anything on the inside. But when we turn to the Lord and when that light turns on and we submit to him, the door shuts. The heat comes back up to a perfect 72 degrees and he's not coming in. Can you all grasp that? Satan has no power to get in. When we allow the Lord to do our fighting and then finally. Number five, sovereign detours. Unlike the first four that we've talked about, this is a detour that God takes us on to prepare us for the dream that he has implanted in our heart. This is a God has a better idea plan. Here's what I believe, and this may, this may uh, twist a little bit of your theology. I strongly believe that God is a sovereign God, that he has every, everything is under his control, and he knows everything. And he has a plan all the way from the very beginning. And as long as we are obedient to his will, as long as we are obedient to his will, he places protection over us and will not allow anything to happen to us until what he has designed for us has come to pass in our life. Now, if I get disobedient, I believe there's another issue. God's plan can be, can be complete as long as I walk in obedience. It is my obligation to obey and not get out of God's will. As long as I'm in the will of God, I am protected and safe and secure. That doesn't mean storms won't come. It means I am safe and protected and secure. You know, if you look at the life of Joseph, Joseph and in Genesis chapter 50, you know, the story of where the brothers sold him into slavery. And we, as we pick it up at the end of his trials, Joseph is now second in command, the prime minister of Egypt. And in Genesis chapter 15, 50, verse 15, it says, when Joseph saw his brothers and his father was dead, that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph would bear a grudge against us and pay us back in full for all the wrong that we've done to him? Do you remember what's happened? He's been sold into slavery. He's had this horrible run uh, but he's been moving his way up through prison and through Potiphar's house. Then he got accused of having sex with Potiphar's wife, got thrown back into jail. Or actually, he didn't go to jail the first time, got thrown back into jail, wound up becoming the second in command to Egypt, to Pharaoh himself, second to Pharaoh himself. And the brothers have showed up and need food. Joseph and them have reunited. And now the dad has died. And the brothers are afraid. Daddy's gone. We're in trouble. It says in verse 16. Your father charged before died saying. Thus shall you say to Joseph. Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin. For they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servant. Of the God of your father. Daddy's trying to take care of him. Joseph wept. When they spoke to him. And his brothers also came and fell before his feet saying. Behold we are your servants. But the next verse says in verse 19. Don't be afraid for I am. For I am for I am in God's place. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people's lives. 
So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph said, even though what you did to me was evil, God meant it to good to bring about a better result. In other words, he is saying, I recognize God as giving me a sovereign detour. God was in control the whole time. God allowed you to do those things to me because there were some things he needed to teach me on the way here. Now, like Joseph, I don't want to be thrown in a pit. Do you? None of us wants to be tested, tested at Potiphar's. All these things happened to Joseph, but Joseph could look back and say, as I look back, so much of value, so much of the value of life comes out of our perspective. Now, if I were sitting where you are with my pen in hand or taking notes, the question would be, okay, pastor, but how do I know when I'm on a sovereign detour? Comparing to maybe one of my own fallings. Let's quickly look at this and I'm going to be done. How do we know what is a sovereign detour? How do we know that it is God controlling it and not some big, huge mistake that we've made? Number one, you know that God's hand is upon you. Outwardly, things look wrong, but inwardly, you know that God's hand is upon you. Outwardly, the job fell apart. The finances haven't come. The kids are being rebellious. But inwardly, you can tell that God's hand is upon you. Man looks on the outward, but God looks on the inward. And we're going to continue to look here for just a moment over Joseph's life for these principles. In Genesis chapter 39, this principle is reinforced a half a dozen times. This is before he's prime minister, when he's in Potiphar's house and in jail. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord caused all that he did to prosper. He's in jail, but he gains favor with the master in jail. He gets put in control over all the people in the jail. Verse 5 says, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house and all that he owned on account of Joseph. Then verse 20, when things go real bad, he gets kicked out of Potiphar's house because of the life of because of the wife of Potiphar. It says, so Joseph's master took him and put him in the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while he was there in jail, the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph charge of all the prisoners who were in jail. So whatsoever was done there. He was responsible for it. And the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge. Sorry. Blake, if I get behind, keep keep up with me. Why did they put everything under his charge? Why did these guys put everything under Joseph's charge? Because God was with him. Do you remember with with Pharaoh when he went and and the famine was coming? He was able to interpret the dreams and, and Joseph gave the ideas of how to store everything up. Let me tell you, these leaders were good leaders in identifying who had the gift. It's not easy for a king to say, take it. I think you've got this under control. Take it. But they could see the favor of God on them. Whether they knew it was God, they knew that favor was on him. The jailer knew that favor was on him. So it was in his best interest to let him lead. Why? Because it'll make that chief jailer look good. 
Are y'all with me? He's in jail. He's in jail for something he didn't do. How else do we know that it's a sovereign, a sovereign uh, detour? Number two, because you know that you are doing good. You can look to God you can, or your wife or your husband and uh, your best friend and say, I know I've been faithful and obedient. I know I'm walking in the light as God gives it to me. I know that I'm living holy before God. I meet with so many people all the time that say, Pastor, I, am, I feel like I'm doing everything I should be doing, but things just aren't going right. But in my heart, I feel like I'm on track. Okay, hang in there. It's scriptural. It says to endure, to persevere. That means even when you're doing good and things won't go right, persevere. Don't give up. It's easy to endure when things go well. But can you endure when things aren't? Can anybody attest to the fact that you can do everything right and still struggle? The classic example is here in Genesis 39. Here's Joseph. What does he do? He resists the temptation of Potiphar's wife. He resisted. This isn't right. And he ran. Left his coat with him. Should have taken his coat. But he left his coat. There's the evidence. He runs. He says, I've been faithful to God. And yet still, instead of being rewarded for my faithfulness, it seems like I've gone into the very pit again. I can assure you that it's a sovereign detour if you're doing right. If you're doing wrong and disobeying God, don't talk about sovereign detours. You may say, Pastor, I think I'm on a sovereign detour. What kind of attitude should I have in the midst of the detour? Nobody wants to be in prison. Nobody wants to be accused for the wrong thing or being a pit or enslaved. Nobody wants to look at unrighteous people getting away with everything with while righteous people are paying. So what are our responses in the middle of a sovereign detour? Number one, faithfulness. Stay faithful. Stay faithful to God. Number two, ministry in the midst of the situation. I love what Joseph said. He didn't say, when I get out of prison, I'm going to serve God. He didn't say at Potiphar's, I think, I think if this thing clears up and justice prevails, I'm going to serve God. What did he say? He said, in the midst, he said, I'm going to serve God and bring glory to him wherever I am. While I'm in the midst of the pit, I'm going to bring glory to God and minister to the Lord. So many of us say, God, if you'll just get me out of this. I'll serve you. I want to encourage you. Change the whole way of thinking. I'm going to serve you. And it's not going to be based on my circumstance. I'm going to serve you. And Lord, if I have to stay here, it must be for some reason. But you know what? Even Jesus said, if this cup could pass for me, for me, let it pass. But if not. Let your will be done. I want to encourage you right where you are, where you're struggling, that you would pray, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to do the best job that I can where I am. Maybe it's your marriage that's about to crumble. I want you to change your perspective and turn it to God. I'm going to serve you, Lord. And I'm going to give it everything I've got. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your parents. 
change your perspective. Change your perspective. I'm going to bloom wherever I'm planted. Even in a dark cell, I'm going to minister. Next, forgiveness. Forgiveness. Don't wait until you're out of the pit to forgive. Forgive now. Devil, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Then finally, joy. I want you to know that in the worst situations that you could ever be in, you can find joy. You can find joy. It's such a difficult scripture that says, consider it all joy. With the trials and tribulations and the troubles that you're going through. But God's trying to say you can find joy in any situation. If you will stop and focus on me for a moment. I will restore your joy. I will restore your joy. Our response to God's sovereign detour should be one of joy and expectation. Because someday we'll look at the other side and see that God has had our hands upon us. Hallelujah. We were... We were at a deacons and staff uh, party this this week, this uh, Friday night. And Elizabeth reminded of how the first six months that I was pastor, she was just praying and we were praying together. If we could just make it to six months. If we could somehow just survive the first six months. And, you know, we look back today. And just see God's hand upon the whole thing. But at the time, we thought we couldn't make it. There are still times in our lives that we think we can't make it. But somehow, if we will turn our trust, what happens is we take our trust and we want to hang on to it. And we want to trust in what we can do. And when we can lean not on what we can do, but lean on to him. He gets us out. He even causes us to forget. He did good. He could tell I wanted to say something. Uh, This week I had read something that talked about um, it's more important to do the right thing than to be right. And I kept thinking about that as you were talking about Joseph because I think that his life, there were so many things that he could have just said, yeah, but I've been wronged. You know, yeah, but they were were bad to me and, and I'm right. You know, I've, I've got this together and I've been doing, I've been doing good and I'm right and to argue his point. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's more important to do the right thing than to be right. And that just kept coming to me as you were talking. And I feel like through this, that the Lord is calling us to a place, to, the, to this next level of doing the right thing. And you know, the right thing is submitting to God. The right thing is surrendering to the Lord. And, you know, all this talk about how do we know if we're on a sovereign detour or how do we know when it's the enemy? And I just want to say one thing that's always helped me is does it line up with the word of God? Because you know what? The Lord is never going to tell you to do something that doesn't agree with his word. So check it out. Get in the word and dig And ask the Lord to show you because he will show you and it's going to agree with the Bible. It's going to agree with the Bible. And so I just pray that we can walk into this next step that he's calling us 
to, and that is to do the right thing. And you know what? Really, that's just surrendering. It's just simply surrendering to the plan that he has for our life. Amen. I hope you caught her statement because it's such a deep statement. Praise that again. You don't have to say it over the microphone. It's more important to do the right thing than to be right. I hope you can digest that because that's really that's really spoken to me this week. I've probably even said it to a few of you this week, too. Sorry, I plagiarize my wife. <laughs> yeah. Say it again. It's more important. That's what I keep missing. It's more important to do the right thing than to be right. Being right, demanding to be right is exalting yourself. And that's the wrong approach. It's more important to do the right thing. Let me just pray, if y'all don't mind. If y'all don't care to just bow your heads. Father, I just ask you to help us. Lord, help us. We so need help. We feel like we've gotten so off track and we can't even see the direction we're supposed to be going in. But Lord, your word says that you will lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, everything has been taking us back to your word. Lord, it is your word that can separate between the bone and the marrow, between the flesh and the spirit. Many of you are at crossroads today and are praying to God to show you what is the right direction to go in. I want to encourage you. Get in the word. Increase your prayer life. Start off first giving your time to the Lord. And ask him point blank, which direction do I go? And then follow that up with his word. And pray that he will show you the direction to go. My God is a God who speaks. My God is a God who answers when I ask for help. My God is a God who is my very present need. Who meets my very present need. He is my very present help in time of need. You may be here completely hurting. We want to pray with you. You may be here and we would say, Pastor, I've never made that first step to Jesus. Have you been trying to do it all on your own? If you're tired and you're ready to, to give your heart to the Lord, I want to ask you, just step out this morning in just a moment. Give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you gave your heart to the Lord years ago, but you've taken it back. Step out this morning and let us pray for you. We all stand up with me. Those that are ministering, come on forward. If you have a prayer need, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, if you want to rededicate your life, if you have a health need or a relationship need or a financial need, step out right now. Don't wait another moment. Let us pray with you as we sing.